I say, if you would ask, what is Christmas all about? We heard from the kids, what is Christmas all about? Just shout it out. Two of you are right. Okay, there we go. All right. That didn't go as likely as I thought. I thought I'd just get like a, a big thing, but you guys are, there's coffee back there, just so you know. Um, but when you, when you go out and you ask people, why, what, why is Christmas so special? What is Christmas all about? We're going to get a lot of different answers, but the reality is this. Christmas is ultimately about a God that loves us. Amen. It's about a God that loves us. It's about him seeing our need. He made a promise to, to come and to rescue us, and he keeps that promise. That's what Christmas is about. It is about the birth of Jesus Christ and him coming to be the best gift ever to all of mankind. It's about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we come to Christmas, we think about how Jesus came, and, and we bring our attention to Jesus, and we focus on him as a baby in a manger, right? If you, you would ask someone, man, how, especially at Christmas time, tell me about Jesus, they're going to tell you about Jesus coming as a baby in the manger, and we should do that. We should focus on how he came and the miracle that that was, because him coming, church, was the greatest gift ever, right? We had one of the one of the... The, the brainiacs up here saying, man, what's your favorite part of Christmas? It's the presents, right? Jesus is the best Christmas ever. But we also need to know that when Jesus came, it wasn't just about his birth, right? It wasn't just about his birth. Jesus came for a reason. He came in a miraculous way to live the life that you and I couldn't live. Do we realize that? Like he, he came to live the life that we could not live. He came to be the savior that we couldn't be and the savior that we needed. He came, church, to be God with us. And we have the opportunity to respond to that. Sometimes we come to Christmas and we're just like, hey, Jesus, baby in a manger, and then we move on. But we have an opportunity to respond to who Jesus is. For the last three weeks, we've looked at John the Baptist, we look at Joseph, we look at, at Mary, and we see that all of them had an encounter with God and they responded to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, we saw Joseph respond. Joseph is, is, is trying to figure out what he's going to do with Mary because they're betrothed, which is a, it's a legal marriage. They just haven't come together at this point yet, and, and she's, she's pregnant, right? And so he's got to figure out what he's going to do, and he's going to send her away. And the angel comes to him and says, hey, don't, don't be afraid to take her, to take Mary as your wife because she is carrying the Savior. She's carrying the promised one. And what does he do? Does he, does he flee? Does he say, no, God, I don't want to have anything to do with this? No, he responded by trusting God, and he responded with obedience. In Luke chapter 1, we saw Mary respond. Here we've got this young lady that's lived a righteous life. She's been following the Lord, and she's preparing to move in with Joseph. We don't know at what point, but she's in that betrothment period, and she's getting ready to, to begin her life with him and probably have a family with him and have children and all that kind of stuff. And, and, the, and an angel comes and says, hey, you are going to carry, or you're going to be pregnant. How is that possible? The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to carry the promised one. You're going to carry Jesus. And really, she could have responded. i got to put it out here. If, if it was us today, I kind of think maybe we would respond in one or two different ways. We would respond, no, God, I, I don't want to do that. I've got my wedding planned out, right? I know how many kids I want to have. I'm ready to come together with my husband. I'm ready to do that. Do you know what people will think of me, God? And so she could have had the woe me response, but she didn't. She, and in fact, I, I can't have a baby, but if, if it was me, I'm sitting there. That was funny, guys. It's science. I can't have a baby. All right. But, but here's, here's the reality. She could have responded in, in, in pride. She could have said, look at me. I was chosen and you weren't. But what does she do? She responds by worshiping God. And last week in Mark chapter 1, we saw John the Baptist. We know John was a, was a relative of Jesus. In fact, we see that John was born right before Jesus was born. 
But Jesus, or John, was born for a purpose. He was born for a purpose, and when he knew what that purpose was, he responded to that. He surrendered his life to be used by God and to point others to Jesus. So before we even dive in this morning, just think through this. What is God doing in your life? What is God asking of you, and what will you do about that? What will you do about that? For us at Christmas, when we see who Jesus is and what he's done for us individually, but for all of mankind, church, we've got to respond. And I think the challenge for us, for the church and unchurched, for Christians and unchristians, the challenge is when Christmas is over, we just move on and we wait until the next holiday. Right? We wait until the next time that we need to go and, 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 and come to church or go and, and think about Jesus Will we do that or will we stay focused on Jesus and live the life that he calls us to live? Here's the reality. Right now, our attention is on Jesus. Right now, our focus and our mind is on Jesus. Will we keep it there? Each week, we've looked at the Christmas story in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And today, just as the Montagna's read, we're going to be in John John chapter 1, and so if you guys have your Bibles, if you don't, there's, there's one on the row for you. It'll be up on the screen as well. Just want to make sure you have access to the Word of God. But we're going to be in John, and our hope today is this. When we look at John chapter 1, is to see who Jesus is, to see why Jesus came, and what does that mean for us. And you guys look on the back of your bulletins, you're going to see that there's some takeaways, some realities for us to know as we celebrate Christmas, just to help you um, stay informed, or just write that down and take some notes, but those are, those are there for you. But before we start walking through this passage, I just want us to pray and ask God to bring our attention to Jesus, to bring it to the Word of God, and to hear what He has for us this morning. Can we pray, church? Father, we love you. And God, we celebrate around 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. And God, sometimes we make it about the decorations and the shopping and the presents and the parties. God, it's about a God that loves us. It's about Jesus that came and gave his life for us. So God, I pray, Lord, that you would just really press in on us and, 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 and convict us, God, and to, to speak clearly into us today. Who is Jesus? What did he do? And what does that mean for us? God, how will we respond to you? And so, God, we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys remember Charlie Brown's Christmas special? Anybody remember that? Charlie Brown is got this this Christmas tree they're trying to put on a play he's trying to figure out something and he yells out isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about you guys remember that and good old Linus right he says this he says sure Charlie Brown I can tell you what Christmas is all about and here's the funny thing he doesn't tell Charlie about the presents and the trees he doesn't tell him about the plays and the parties Linus bring, or begins to share the story of the good news of great joy about Jesus being born, about a Savior coming to rescue us. Each week, we've been reminded that while we're super busy this time of year, we have our Christmas trees, we have our decorations, we have our parties, we have our gift, our gift exchanges, we have our traditions. All those are good things. We love doing that. We went out and did some traditional tradition stuff for our family last night. All those are good things, but we have to know that ultimately, Christmas is about Jesus. Right? It's ultimately about the promise of a Savior and the greatest gift ever. And so as we celebrate Christmas, I want us to look at John chapter 1 to see what Christmas is all about. And so I just kind of want us to slow down 
and focus again, who is Jesus, what has he done, and what does that mean for us? And so we're going to look at these realities about Christmas and Jesus. And the first one that I want to see in John chapter 1 is this, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. John writes in verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's so much packed into that, and we're going to try to show that, that John is showing evidence of who Jesus is, and so that's what we're going to do here today. But it says in this verse, John says the Word three different times. Right? He says the Word three different times. And notice in your Bibles, look in there, is the W capitalized? Right? Do we see it up here? The W is, is capitalized, and it's that way for a reason, because the, the word that he is using here of the word, it's not just any word that comes out of our mouth. We say a lot of words each day, right? My wife tells me that I say more than her. I'm not sure about that, but you know, that's, you guys can be the deciders of that. But, but we say a lot of words each day. Some of our words carry more weight than others, right? Some words are funny, some words are uplifting, some words are hurtful. Some words are serious and some are meaningful. We use our words, church, to describe something or to explain something to someone or tell them something. But John, when he writes the word three different times in the original language, it's the word logos. Can you say that with me? Logos, right? And logos is not just speaking of any word that comes out of our mouth. It's speaking of the final word, the determinate word would be the definition of that. It's the determinate word. And here in John 1, it is speaking of the determinate and final word from God, right? It's the true word declared by God. Many times when I'm wrestling with something in life, we all do that, right? We come to these things and we've got a decision to make and God's doing something in our life. We're trying to figure out what the best thing to do is. One of the things that we often do is we go and we ask friends, we ask our spouse, we, we, we right? You get with, you're with me, church, man? We, we ask Facebook, right? But one of the things that, that I aim to do in, our, in my life and that our family aims to do is we want to see what God says about it, right? There, there are a lot of people that want to speak into our lives, we have our own opinions that want to speak in our life, but the reality is, is what God says is truth, right? His word is the absolute truth, and it is the one that matters, which is interesting because it's sometimes the last place we go, right? But it's, it's the true word. I think about when we read what we read in the Bible, when we see the words of God, when God spoke during creation, his, wor his words weren't, hey, you know, if you guys are ready, you know, night and day, come on out, right? Let there be light, right? And, it, well, let's, let's think about this. And th there was no kind of, you know, angelic conversation. He spoke and boom, it happened, right? It, it happened. When he was, when Jesus spoke to the waves, what happened? They calmed down. When Jesus spoke words of healing to people, they responded immediately. It's the final word. It's the final word. And so God reveals his power and his will and his truth through his word. In fact, if you look throughout the Old Testament, a lot of times when God is, is referred to, they talk about the word of God. There's no greater proof of the word of God than Jesus himself. And so we're going to talk about why, but when we see John write, when he writes the word, in the beginning was the word, that's Jesus. Are you with me, church? That's Jesus. And just so you know, that's not something that's argued about. That's usually very well agreed on, that the Word is Jesus. And we're going to see evidence of that throughout this, especially in verse 14. But we could say instead of in the beginning was the Word, we can say in the beginning was Jesus. Verse 1 just tells us a ton about Jesus. When we talk about Jesus at Christmas, 
we think about the announcement of his birth, right? The angels coming, they're coming to Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, right? We think about a couple years later where the wise men come, right? We think about him being born and lying in a manger. But I love what John does. John begins before that, right? John doesn't talk about that moment. He's talking about Jesus before his birth. Are you with me, church? He talks about him before his birth. And that's really important. I'm going to be honest. Right here in our context of Tucson, that's extremely important for us to understand. Notice when he says this, in the beginning was the word, was Jesus. Does anyone remember what very famous passage of the Bible uses the phrase in the beginning? Right? Yeah, there, there's your hand. It's in the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what we know from Genesis and creation is this. Before anything else existed, God was there. Amen, church? Man, he, is, he was there. He existed. God existed before creation. And he spoke his word. And, he, and all things came into creation. And what we learn here from John is this. Jesus was there in the beginning. This is important, church. Jesus was there in the beginning. He was in existence before creation. This is evidence, church, that Jesus is God. The language literally means that Jesus was in continual existence before the world or the universe came to be. So here's the crazy reality of this. Jesus' life did not begin on Christmas morning at the moment of his birth. Do we understand that? Like it didn't begin at that. Jesus has always been before anything else was Jesus was there. And John writes of Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So he was here before creation, and then he says the Word, Jesus, was with God. Sometimes it's the smallest words that tell us the most, but when we see the words was with and was with God as used in the Bible here, it literally means this, church, that Jesus existed, that he was present and the word with here means that he was in deep personal fellowship with who? With God the Father. So from the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were all there. Jesus is God the Son and he has always been with the Father. And then John wants to make sure that we get who Jesus is. And he makes a very clear statement about who Jesus is. He says this, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. Say these last few words with me. And the Word was God. What a clear statement from the Bible, church. The Word was God. Church, this Christmas, we need to know the one that came was God. Jesus is God. There are some teachings alive today, even right here in Tucson, very prevalent teaching that try to downplay who Jesus is. Some teachings have even changed what the Bible says. So they have changed their translation of what the Bible says to where it says the Word was a God. Church, nowhere in Scripture is the word A there. Are you with me? It says He was God. Jesus is, in fact, God. The very name of Jesus tells us that He is God. Jesus literally means Jehovah is salvation or God saves. What's the other name? Emmanuel means God with us, right? That's who He is. Jesus is God. And so Jesus is not an angel. Jesus is not a lower God that worked His way up. He's not a created God that became to where he is today. He's not a second-class God. He always has been and always will be God. That's who we rejoice and celebrate at Christmas. 
We've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the one that was born in a manger, is God. And that should make us rejoice, church, because the God on high came down and gave everything and was laid in a manger, in a feeding trough. So he's God. The second reality is this, one thing we don't usually think about with Jesus. He created us. Jesus created us. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, he was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. The Bible is telling us Jesus is God, and as God, he is the creator. This is huge, church. Track with me here. The creator of the world, the creator of you and me. He created all things perfectly. Do we get that? Like he is the creator. The one that's laying in the manger is the creator. And he created all things with his design. He designed it perfectly. But then there's sin. Church, there's one thing we have to remember at Christmas. There would be no need for Christmas if there wasn't sin. Are you with me? We're in a dark world, church. Man, there was sin. Because of your sin and my sin and all other sins, we live in a broken world. Just look around you, right? Everywhere you look, there's darkness and brokenness. But check this out. The creator, I love this church. This is why it's important to know that he's the creator. The creator could have said, you know what, this is enough. Jeff, you, 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 you've done this too much. Mankind, you've done this too much. I'm just going to wipe this whole thing out and I'm going to start over. He could do that. But he doesn't. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves us. He loved Adam and Eve. He loves everyone in between. And he loves you and he loves me. And maybe someone needs to hear that this morning. I don't know where you are this morning, but Jesus loves you. God, the creator, loves you. And he doesn't love us in some kind of far off, distant kind of way. Man, he loves you personally and intimately. You see, when we were created, church, God created us to be with God. Do we get that? We were created to follow him. We were created to, to do life with him. We were created in his image. We were created to be his. That's how we were created. That was his design. Did you know that? Right? That's, how we were, that's how we were made. You and I, we were made to know and walk with God. But as people, every single one of us have chosen us over him. Are you with me, church? We've all done that. We have chosen our pride over his way. We have chosen sin over following and being obedient to God. And I know this isn't popular to say at Christmas, but although we were created to be with God and to walk with him and to be his church, this is really important. God, the creator, we rejected him. There might be someone here today that's rejecting him right now. We sinned against him. We chose something else over our creator. And that's called sin. And that sin caused brokenness. And it causes addiction. And it causes pain. And it's suffering. And it causes death. And it causes eternal separation from God. But since he loves us, but he doesn't just love us. The Bible says that he sees us and he knows us. John 3.16 says that he so loves us. I like talking to my little kids and just saying, 
How much, how much does Jesus love you? So much. Are you with me? Sometimes we lose sight of that. Like we get old and we get smart, don't we? Yeah. He loves us so much. You are so loved by God today, and Christmas is evident of that. I think about my life. I've been well-loved by my family. I've been well-loved by my parents. I've been well-loved by my kiddos. I'm deeply loved by my bride. But here's the reality. No one has loved me. No one has loved you like God. No one has loved you like your Creator. No one has loved you like Jesus loves you. The perfect one, the one that created you, and and the one that created me, he knows us personally. He sees everything about you. He sees your condition. He sees the sin you're caught up in. He sees your brokenness. He sees that you are separated from him. And here's the great thing. God, the creator, could have wiped this all out and started over, but he doesn't. He does something about it. He does something about it, and we're going to see that as we keep going, but Jesus sees us. Church, he sees your darkest, deepest secrets. Do you know that? Like, he knows you. He knows your fears. He knows your wants and your desires. He knows our sins that no one else knows about. And not only does he not just wipe us out and start over, he doesn't just leave us on our own. That's a good word, church, this morning. We've got this idea in this world that God is way up there and we're way down here and there's this big separation, right? Man, God doesn't leave us on our own. No, because he loves you. He loves us. He did something about it. He made a promise to rescue us and to save us. And here's the funny thing. A lot of times we just look at Christmas and we, and we begin with Matthew chapter 1 or Luke chapter 1 or John chapter 1. But the reality, Christmas is really mentioned all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, euangelion, the first mention of the gospel, right? Right after the sin happened, I think it's chapter 3, verse 15, right after the sin happens, God makes a promise to come and rescue us. We see it mentioned throughout the Old Testament that, that someone's going to come, and I like the details in Isaiah chapter 7 and chapter 9. We see these at Christmas. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See the virgin, right, will conceive have a son and name him Emmanuel, God with you. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Christmas didn't necessarily start on when Jesus was born. It's about a promise that God made to come and rescue us because we were meant to walk with him. And then because of our sin, there's that division. God saw our condition and because he so loved you and me, John 3.16 says that he gave his only begotten son. God the Father, check this out. God the Father sins God the Son. He didn't just send another person. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send a created God. He sent Jesus, God the Son, to rescue us. And so at Christmas, we celebrate and rejoice because Jesus is God and He is our Creator and church. He values you. 
Do you get that this morning? He values you. And as creator, although we were sinning against him, we're the ones that caused that division between us and God that left us broken and eternally dead and and on our way to hell. We celebrate because Jesus did something about it. I'm the only one that wants to woo this morning. Woo! That's good stuff, church. Right? And this is the third reality of Christmas. When we least deserved it, When we couldn't even earn it, Jesus, he became like us. For that, we're going to jump down to verse 14, and we'll come back up here in a minute. But it says this, the word, which is Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The phrase that Jesus became flesh, it means that he came to us and became like us in every way. I think we have a hard time wrapping our, our minds around that. Like, is he God? Is he man? The answer is yes. And we don't have to understand how that works. Because God's ways is above our ways. His thoughts are above ours. Amen, church? Man, if we could understand everything about God, he would not be God. When he came, he was still fully God and yet still fully man. But how is that possible? I love what the angel says to Mary in Luke 137, for nothing will be impossible with God. God is beyond our understanding. He is capable of things we can't even imagine or pray for. But Jesus came still fully God and now fully man. If you need more evidence of that, Philippians chapter 2 speaks very well of that. But it's important for you and me that this happened. Here's the thing, church, when Jesus came and he took on flesh and dwelt among us, here's what happened. He was tempted as you're tempted. He dealt with things in life that you and I deal with. He walked through what we walk through. He can empathize with us. He understands us. He isn't this God way up in the clouds that doesn't get what it's like to be here. He gets it. Amen, church? Man, he gets it. He lived it. He understands it. All the things we have to deal with in humanity, he dealt with. He understands the stress in your life. He understands your pain. He understands your suffering. He understands your family struggles. He understands hardships. He understands being rejected. He understands brokenness and tears. Church, Christmas is a joyful time, amen? But it's a hard time for many. It's a really hard time for many. You might be wrestling with something this season. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe there's a fear in your life. Maybe it's the loss of someone. Maybe you're separated from someone for the first time. Jesus sees that. He knows that about you. He understands it. He lived it in the flesh. He understands, church, being tired and being afraid and being worn out. Why? Because he was fully God, but he was still 100% fully man. Sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our brain around this. We get this idea, this picture that Jesus was fully God and only partially man. Or maybe that he was fully man or only partially God, but he was fully both. And here's the reality. If Jesus was not fully man, he could not have been tempted. But the Bible tells us he was tempted. If he wasn't, as in he didn't, so you get what I'm saying, he, he, did, not, he did not sin. He wasn't, if he wasn't fully man, church, he couldn't be an example for us. But what does the Bible say? That we're to imitate him. Right? We couldn't imitate him if he wasn't an example for us, if he wasn't man. And here's the, here's the other part. If he wasn't fully man, he couldn't have died for you. 
This is the great part. I know this kind of sounds weird, but the great news is, is that Jesus did die. He did die. Mark 10, 14 says that Jesus came to give his life. Excuse me, Mark 10, 45, that Jesus came to give his life in place of yours. Do we understand the gravity of that? We celebrate a baby born in a manger, but he didn't stay there. He lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. He was tempted in the same thing. He had the same pressures that we have, but he was able to go to the cross sinless and died a sinner's death. He died your death. He died my death. He died for you and for me. And if he wasn't fully man, that could not have happened. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, which is Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal or everlasting life but verse 17 is huge as well we don't really have this one memorized a lot it says that jesus came into the world to save the world he died for your sins so that you could be forgiven and saved from eternity apart from him Jesus is God. He is our creator. He became like us and dwelt among us. And the fourth reality of Christmas is this. Jesus came to save us. He came to save us. Sometimes we don't like to go to the doctor because we don't want to know what's really in us. Amen. We don't want to know the answer. But Jesus already sees us. He just sees us. And he sees the the dark sin within us. He sees our brokenness. He sees that we're separated from him. He saw us headed for eternity in a real place called hell. Hell is not just a word to scare us, church. It's a real place. The Bible says it was created for the devil and and his fallen angels, for the demons. It was never created for us. But when we choose us over God, that's what we choose. Amen, church? Because of our sin. But the Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners... God demonstrated his love for you and me and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. We go to work and we earn a paycheck and we like when that paycheck comes, amen, because that's what we earn, that's what we worked hard for. But our paycheck is death because of our sin. Physical death, spiritual death, eternal death. But I love this, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life and salvation and and, and, and eternity with Jesus is not through, hear me church, it's not through religion, it's not through quoting a certain prayer, it's not through being good, it's not from your good outweighing your bad. Do we hear me this morning? Are you with me church? We cannot earn God. We cannot earn our salvation. Jesus saw that and, and he comes to be the free gift of eternal life and it's only through him. How crazy is this church? God, our creator, loves you and me so much that Jesus comes to be born of a baby, to live the perfect life that you and I were not capable of living. And it's hard to think about this amazing, cute little baby that Raya wants to give a blanket to. He came to die for you. He didn't stay dead though, amen? We celebrate on Easter on the third day because he is God. He rose again. And so we've looked at who Jesus is. He is God. He's our creator. But we also see what he did for us. He came. He became like us. He dwelt among us. He was literally God with us or is literally God with us. And he came to save us. Church, that is what Christmas is about. The presents, the parties, the music, they're all fun. 
The shopping and traffic, not so much. Amen. Man. But Christmas is about God loving you. He sees your sin. He sees my sin. And he says, I got you. I'm going to come and die in your place. I'm going to come to save you. And now for the fifth reality, how will we respond? What do we do? We jumped ahead to verse 14, but I want us to look back at verse 12 real quick. We know who Jesus is. We know what he did. But look at verse 12. John writes this, but to all who did receive him, he, Jesus, gave them the right to be children of God. There's a saying out there that says we're all God's children. The Bible's clear, church. God created us to be with him and to walk with him. But the only way we become children of God is through Jesus Christ. But but to all who did receive him, he, Jesus, gave them the right to be the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. So in verse 12, he says, but to all who did receive him, and then he says, and to those that believe in his name, to receive Jesus and to believe in the name of Jesus, that literally means that we acknowledge who Jesus is. We acknowledge that he is God. We acknowledge that he is perfect, that he is Lord, that he is in charge, and that he came to be our Savior, church. We acknowledge that when we receive and when we believe. To receive Jesus, it means to believe in him. It means to trust in him. It means to place your faith in him. Not place your faith in money, not place your faith in somebody else, but to place your faith in Jesus Christ. And it also means to believe and receive. It means this, that we acknowledge that we need him. Has there been a time in your life that you have come to Jesus and say, I need you? I know you came as this cute little baby, and I'm I'm sure you did some life stuff, and Easter says something about you died and rose again, but God, I need you. And believing and receiving is acknowledging that we need him. This Christmas, do you know that you need Jesus? Do we see and know that we are lost, that we are broken, that we cannot do it on our own? Jesus, come on, man, this is, this is America, man. This is 2019, almost 2020. Man, we've got this pretty much figured out. Jesus says, I came and I died for you because you couldn't earn it on your own. Do we see that we are in need of Jesus to save us, that Jesus came to die in your place? Can you own that? And we believe and receive Jesus we call on him to save us. Acts 30, or 16.31 says this, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Church, he doesn't say work really hard. He doesn't say tithe this much. He doesn't say have this attendance at church. All those things are good and those things come out of our relationship with God. But he doesn't say work really hard. He doesn't say live your best life now. He doesn't say you be you right? He doesn't say be the best that you can. He doesn't say have your good outweigh your bad and St. Peter will check it at the gates. He doesn't say that. He says Jesus is God. He created you. He created you to be with him, but you sinned against him and he came to save you. And if you receive him and believe in his name, you will be saved. That's good news. Bible says at that moment, we become children of God. 
Just a side note, this is a freebie. We've adopted. You guys probably know someone that's adopted. If you don't, you do now, right? Maybe you guys have adopted, whatever, whatever it is. When we adopt a child, he's not a second-class son or daughter. He's fully mine. He is my heir. He gets everything. I have a responsibility to protect him and to love him and to provide for him and to lead him and to correct him. Are you with me, church? That's what we have with Jesus. We become children of God. I love this. John says in verse 13 that when we trust in Jesus, he describes a new life. He says, you who were born not of, when we're we're saved, we were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God, right? You might have heard the phrase that we get from John 3, that to be born again. Sometimes when you listen to the media, it's just to describe a group of voters. Amen? Come on now. Jesus, man, we're born again. He makes you new. He gives you a new life. He isn't talking about we're born again naturally. He's saying that we we cannot earn this new life, but he can give it to us, right? He's saying that when we trust in Jesus, we are born again. We are given a new life in Christ, and that's so good news because I have tried to wash away some of the things in me. I've tried to make myself better. I've tried to make a new me. I've tried to come to a new year and say, man, this is going to be a new time for me. But Jesus says, you can't. I got you. I will make you new. We're given a new life in Christ, and this life is eternal. It's eternal. Remember Romans 3.16 tells us that what we deserve because of our sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's Here's your last one. It's got three or four to fill in. When we receive him, Jesus is God. He created us. He came to become like us. And to save us. When we receive him, he saves us. He makes us new. And we become children of God. Focusing on the children of God thing for a second. Our creator God made you. Whatever your name is, just put it in there. He made to walk with him. To be with him. To do life with him. To have a personal relationship with him. You were made. The design for you was to walk with God and to be his. You're not yours. You belong to your creator. But sin happened in your life and in mine. And the Bible tells us, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin caused that separation there between us and our creator. But Jesus, he comes to restore that relationship. He comes to bring us back into that relationship with our creator. But he doesn't just stop there. He could have just said, okay, you've got a place in heaven. Or, hey, we'll, we'll hang out. We'll be homies. He doesn't do that. Right? He fully adopts us as his children. When we receive Christ as our Savior, when we trust in him and believe in Jesus and who he is and what he does, he doesn't, he doesn't just say, hey, you. He calls you a son or a daughter. Are you with me, church? This is exciting. The creator wants to call you son or daughter. That's Christmas. The God that created all things came to become like us and he came to save us. And when we trust in him, he rescues us, he saves us, he makes us new and he makes us become children of God. That's Christmas and that's why he came, church. And I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if this is a great Christmas for you or if this Christmas just stinks to high heavens. Are you with me? 
but God knows you. He sees you. He sees everything. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what you're walking through. He came for you. He came to save you. So when we leave here, will we take our minds off of the baby in the manger, off of Jesus, or will we just continue to pursue him? Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I don't, I don't know about Jesus. I, I didn't know that's who Jesus was. I didn't know that Jesus was God. I thought he was a God. I thought he worked his way to Godhood. I thought that he was an angel that, be, that was chosen to come and be the Savior. I thought he was somebody else. Jesus is, in fact, God. The Bible's very clear. We can trust him. Amen, church? Man, we can trust him. My family's walking through a really hard time right now. But we can trust God because I'm a child of God. Amen? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, he says, believe in me, receive me, understand that who I am and that I came for you and I died for you. And what you need to do is call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. If you don't know Jesus today, what a great Christmas present, amen, man, to give your life to Christ. Let's pray, church. Lord, we love you. And God, we celebrate that Jesus came because without Jesus coming, we are destined for eternal physical and spiritual death. But Jesus came to give his life in my place and in our place and in mankind's place. And God, the Bible says that if we receive him, if we believe in the name of Jesus, we'll be rescued. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. We want to we want to just have that anxiety within us so whenever we die, we're like, when are we, are we going to make it in or are we not? It's not about that. God, it's the work that Jesus did. It's about Jesus. Jesus is the one that says we can't save ourselves. Jesus came 